Today is our final Sunday. We're wrapping up our series on the fruit of the Spirit. We've been kind of walking through that this summer, just kind of looking at some of the different of the things that grow in us as we allow the Holy Spirit kind of free reign in our life, as we kind of get rid of the obstacles, as we, as we begin to invite the Spirit to work within us. Um, there are certain things, certain qualities that manifest themselves in our lives. Things like love and joy, and peace, and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when you begin uh, to experience those in your life, you begin to experience what you were created for. That's what, that's what Jesus came to bring. He says, I, I came to bring you life and, and to bring it abundantly, more and better life than you've ever known. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is all about. That's, that's the thing that gives you purpose and, and meaning and significance. Uh, you begin to light the way for others to find and follow Jesus, which is what we want to do. Um, and we said all along that the fruit of the Spirit, this is not something you can make happen. It's not like, oh, I try really hard. You know, I can make, I can be more patient. I have more self-control. Because we, we sometimes try to do that. That's not, that's not the idea of the fruit of the Spirit. It's something that grows in me as I abide in God because that's the kind of person God is. See, when you're reading that description of the fruit of the Spirit, what you're reading is a description of the Spirit of God. And so far in our series, we've been focused a lot on the, the fruit part of the fruit of the Spirit. But today, I want to focus a little bit on the Holy Spirit Himself. Uh, because we've talked about abiding and remaining in Jesus and in His Spirit, walking in the Spirit, you know, kind of what that is. But sometimes there's a lot of fuzziness on what exactly the Holy Spirit is. Right? You know, like who he is and what role he plays in our life. Uh, maybe you remember this, like when I was a kid, sometimes they would talk about the Holy Ghost. Anybody remember when he was called the Holy Ghost? Uh, that kind of freaked me out when I was a kid because, you know, it's like, like I knew God the Father. I knew what a father was. I, I have one. And I knew what a son was because I am one. But the Holy Ghost, like that, this is like, is that like a haunted house kind of thing? Oh, no, no, no. He's, he's a good ghost. I'm like, oh, okay, like Casper, you know, like the Holy Spirit got this big head or so. I, I was kind of confused as a kid. And to be honest, you know, even as an adult, so it can be kind of mysterious and, and kind of hard to understand. And we're Presbyterians. We don't, we don't do a whole lot of mysticism and sitting around like, oh, yeah. So it, there can be some fuzziness about this whole Holy Spirit idea. Now, Jesus actually addresses the Holy Spirit and, and talks a lot about Him in His Last Supper. He's sitting with His disciples, uh, getting them ready for His imminent departure. And this is what He says to them. He says, i got some good news for you. i got some good news for you. I'm going away. And you're filled with grief because I'm leaving. But uh, here's, what, here's what He says to them, John 16, 7. He says, but very truly I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. <laughs> what? What, is for our good that you're going away, Jesus? I'm like, just imagine for a second the shock for the disciples. They had just, you know, they had invested three years of their life. They, their whole lives have been turned upside down by this man, Jesus. For three years, they've, they've followed him around. They've hung on every word. They lived to hear him teach and to watch him heal and to see him love. And they left everything to follow him. Family and friends and careers. Like, like, they're convinced that this man holds the key to the human race. They've bet everything on him, and now he says he's going to leave? Yeah, that's the end of your world for you. Like, because you sacrificed everything for him, and now, now you're about to lose him. And then he adds, it's a good thing I'm going. What do your parents always like say uh, before they would spank you? Yeah, like, anyway, like, parents would always be like, this is for your own good. It's gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt me more than it hurts you. 
And every kid's like, well, then why don't you spank yourself if you feel that way, right? It's like, it was kind of, that's the idea. And the disciples must have been feeling like, well, good for us. Like, you got to be kidding, Jesus. But Jesus was quite serious. He says, unless I go, unless I go away, the advocate, or some translations will say counselor, unless I go away, the, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. This is incredible. Because, you know, like we often think, oh, wouldn't it be great to have lived when Jesus lived? You know, to be, to be able to see him and, and to be able to like kind of touch him and, and be able to like hear his voice. How cool would that be? But he says, nope, nope. It's better to live in the era of the Spirit than it is to, to walk the earth with me. Jesus is saying like, you guys are more fortunate than the disciples were. You have an advantage over those that actually lived with him. It's unbelievable. And Jesus says, but when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He's going to guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He'll speak only what He hears. And He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify Me because it is from Me that He'll receive what He will make known to you. In other words, the Holy Spirit's kind of like this funnel through whom you receive all of the blessings of God. The, the Christian life is nothing more than life in the Spirit. That's what the Christian life is. Now, Jesus uses a particular Greek word here. And the, the Greek word is, is parakletos. Parakletos. Uh, maybe you've uh, heard somebody talk about the paraclete before. It's usually a seminary student who's trying to show how impressive they are. Like, oh, it's the paraclete. You know, most of us, we, most of us, we translate that advocate or counselor. Uh, and it's used to describe the person of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's a person, just like God the Father is a person and God the Son is a person. And that word parakletos actually comes from a couple Greek words. Para, which means to come alongside of, and kaleo, which means to call out. So the idea here is it's, it's somebody who is called to come alongside of another person, to stand by him or her. And it's translated advocate, counselor, comforter, or helper. And it comes from the legal arena. What do you do when you get arrested? Oh, hopefully you, don't, you know, haven't had to worry about this, but like you've seen Law and Order, right? What's the first thing you should do if you get arrested or accused of a crime? Call a lawyer. Call a lawyer. That's the only thing. You'll call a lawyer. When the kids were teenagers, they'd be like, we only say three words. Mom, dad, lawyer. Mom, dad, lawyer. If we get arrested, they never had to. But that's the idea. You're like, you know, you get arrested, shut up. Just call, just say lawyer, I want a lawyer, and don't say anything else because you want somebody who's going to come alongside you, who knows what they're doing, who's going to give you good guidance and counsel and to help serve you, give you a legal defense. And that's the idea of, of the paraclete. The, that's what a paracletos does. And notice what he, uh, Jesus said about him back in uh, John 14. He says, I'm going to ask the Father and he'll send you another paracletos, another advocate or counselor. Who was the first one? Well, the first one was Jesus. The next one's going to be the Holy Spirit. And so what he's saying is like, guys, I'm not going to leave you alone. You're not going to be orphans. You're not going to be on your own. I'm not going to abandon you. The counselor is going to come and he's going to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. And then he says this amazing promise. Next verse. He says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him because he lives with you and will be in you. This is the promise of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. 
Because if you're a Christ follower, when, when, when you said, you know, God, I want you to, to be my forgiver, I want you to be the leader of my life, God sends His Holy Spirit to take up residence inside of you, in, in your life. And a big part of what the Holy Spirit does is He acts as your counselor. I mean, just think for a minute about your need for a good counselor. Right? Anybody ever make any dumb decisions? Anybody ever worry about things when worrying didn't do you any good? Or how about have people problems? Any people problems? And anybody have problems mismanaging anger? Or you beat yourself up over stuff that's not your fault? You ever have regrets when you look back on your life and how you've lived? Ever do any of that? See, we all need help. Maybe it's some tough decision or a problem that you're facing. Or, or maybe it's just help navigating life. I don't know if you've ever gone to a counselor, like maybe a, a professional therapist or a wise, trusted friend, but uh, there are some things that happen in the presence of a good counselor. For one thing, you receive wisdom. You get some insight. You begin to get clarity about what's going on in your heart. You, you get diagnosed and you learn truth about yourself and your motives and, and your inner life and so on. It can be a very healing thing for you. Now imagine... If you had a counselor who wasn't just on call, like phone a friend, you know, kind of thing. We, that's how we treat God sometimes. Like we're on who wants to be a millionaire. Oh, God, you know, I need help on this one. But what if you had a counselor that would actually walk with you throughout your life and give you guidance, give you power to live? Somebody who would give you wisdom and direction whenever you would need it. Like how great would that be? That's what the Holy Spirit does. See, the essence of Christianity is a relationship with the living God. It's, it's two-way conversation. He speaks and we listen and we respond. And, and we speak and He listens and responds. It's this dialogue that goes back and forth throughout the course of our life. That's what walking in the Spirit is. That's what, uh, that's what remaining in Jesus is all about. And what we need to begin to do is to begin learning to say this to the Holy Spirit. I'm in. I'm in. I, I want to be your counselee. Okay, I, 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 want, I want to be your client. I, I want to have deep, intimate, heart-opening sessions with you. I'm tired of trying to you know, solve my problems on my own. Tired of being anxious and carrying all my own burdens and getting discouraged and getting tired and trying to do life on my own. We just need to say, Holy Spirit, I want to follow your counselor. Your counsel. I want, I want you to be my counselor. And when you do that, the Holy Spirit, the, the third person of the Trinity, takes a, who has taken up residence in you, if you're a Christ follower, He begins to work in us and begins to, to, we begin to learn from Him. And we begin to bear the kind of fruit that we've been talking about throughout the summer. Now, the Spirit is at work in our lives in lots and lots of different ways. We can do a whole series on it we have in the past. Uh, but this morning, I want to focus just on three in particular. So in the time we have left, I'm going to look at three ways the Spirit offers to work in us as we walk with Him through our daily life. And the first thing that the Holy Spirit of God offers us is guidance for living. Because we're, we're directionally challenged people. You know, back before we had a GPS and, and Waze app and all that kind of stuff, we'd be driving along sometimes, and my wife Rosalie would turn to me and say, hey, you know, like, Rob, why don't you pull over and ask someone where we are? On the theory that a perfect stranger is going to know where we are more than I, I do. Pretty well-based theory, actually. Um, but we all do that, don't we? We, we kind of get lost. We, we, we don't know how to navigate life. And we need guidance. 
1 John 12, uh, John addresses this issue. Where does wisdom and spiritual guidance come from? And in 1 John 2.20, he says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. And he's talking about the Spirit here. You have an anointing, and all of you know the truth. Now, an anointing, that's just something that would happen to consecrate someone or something to kind of set them apart for holy use. And if you follow Christ, he says, you have an anointing. Sometimes you'll hear metaphors like you've been baptized in the Spirit or by the Spirit or the Spirit indwells you. They're they're all kind of ways of talking about the same truth. You have an anointing from the Holy One. Look down at verse 26. He says, I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from Him remains in you. And you don't need anyone to teach you. That's a remarkable statement. John says, you don't need anyone to teach you. Now, what does he mean by this? Does John mean that there should be no pastors teaching you? No preachers or teachers? Uh, Scare me here, friends. Uh, Is that what he means? No, no, of course not. That's not what he means. He he loved preachers. They were his his favorite. They thought they were the greatest. Here's what's going on in the passage. See, there were people who were kind of claiming some sort of spiritual superiority because uh, they had like a greater anointing of the Spirit, this superior anointing. And, and so they, they said, well, you need to listen to us because we know better. And that same kind of thing goes on in our day. There's people who say, well, you know, I've got more of the Spirit. And, and they, they try to get people to follow them even away from scriptural paths. But the primary indicator of the presence of the Spirit is always, always, always the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, so on. That's always the primary indicator of the presence of the Spirit. And what John's saying here is like, you all have the Spirit. You all have it. You know, like, don't be like sheep and let someone intimidate you by claiming special spiritual authority, you know, superiority. Because you are, as much as anybody else, in direct contact with the Spirit of God. Now, of course, you need to study and use your mind and, and do these things in community and receive wisdom from other people and so on. But the Spirit is as resident in you as much as anybody if you're a follower of Jesus. And there's a wonderful promise with that. Jesus said, when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He'll guide you into all the truth. The Spirit of God can and, and really does guide. The greatest counselor in the world specializes in guidance counseling. If you don't understand something, ask God. Once in a while, I'll be talking with a student and they'll, they'll come up to me, you know, they're, they're sharing how they're struggling in school, you know, like maybe biology or something. The student will just say, I just don't get biology. You know, it's like, like I'm, I'm there, you know, I've got to dissect this frog. It's like, plop, you know, and it's like, it all looks the same and it all smells the same and it all tastes the same. And you know, it's like, I, I just don't understand. You know, I don't understand. And, and I say, if you don't understand, turn to the book of James. James chapter 1.5, James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. If you don't understand, ask God. And I got young people come to me and they say, Rob, you know, it's like, I don't understand, you know, I don't understand biology. And I'll say, well, who have you talked to? They're like, oh man, you know, like I talked to my teacher and I talked to my counselor and, you know, I talked to my parents and talked to my friends, you know, and I just mean like nobody understands. I'll say, well, well have you talked to God? And oh, I just have to talk to, like, who? Well, I got, well, have you talked to God? And they're like, 
why? Does he know anything about biology? You know, <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah, actually, quite a bit. Uh, as a matter of fact, he's the one that put it all together. And if you don't understand something, ask God. And he would say to me, well, well, that just sounds too simple. And I would say to you, don't knock it until you've tried it. If you lack wisdom, ask God. Now, of course, we need to be real careful about practicing receiving guidance from the Spirit and being open to it. The Spirit never guides in a way that's contrary to Scripture. Somebody claims to be guided by the Spirit and they're doing something that's forbidden by the Bible, you know that's wrong. You could put it this way, the Spirit of God will never contradict the Word of God. A while back I was uh, reading, I came across this headline. The headline said, Florida man says he stole $7 billion because Jesus wants him to be wealthy. Why is it always a Florida man? I don't know. But anyway, this guy made these fraudulent wire transfers. Okay, And the article says, he allegedly told investigators that he believed he deserved the money stating that Jesus Christ created wealth for everyone. Investigators said he told them he believed his wire transfer scheme would allow him to obtain the wealth that Jesus Christ created for him and that belonged to him, the complaint said. Jesus was unavailable for comment on the matter. (laughs) And I read that and I thought, no, he wasn't. Because he's already commented on it in his word. People do all kinds of stuff and they claim to be guided by the Spirit. If it's contrary to Scripture... No, it's it's not the Spirit. The Spirit of God will never contradict the Word of God. Now, our sense of being kind of guided by the Spirit ought to be tested with discerning people. You ought to have a few people in your life you can just go, you know what, I I feel led or I feel kind of prompted to do this. Does that line up? You know, does, does that make sense to you? Or, you know, could I have my signals mixed or something? God's Spirit works through His people, His body. He uses other Christ followers to guide and provide wise counsel. And you can kind of manipulate that too if you want. I've, got, I've had friends who is like, well, I feel like I want to do this. And they'll go in and they'll ask like 12 different people until they get someone to agree. Oh yeah, that seems like what you should do. And everybody else is like, no, no, no. You know, so you can kind of manipulate that thing. But you've got to have people in your life who know you and love you and willing to speak truth into your life to help you discern the leading of the Holy Spirit. You were never meant to walk with God in isolation. He gives us each other Uh, One of the ways that we function as a body of Christ is discerning the Spirit's leading together. So there's those cautions, but God the Spirit really is in the business of guiding. He really will do that. Sometimes it's going to be real obvious. Sometimes it'll be more subtle, like a, a hint or a prompting, kind of a nudge or a whisper. So this week, what I want to invite you to do is to ask the Spirit to be your counselor as you face a significant decision or you get confused about a relational challenge or you just need wisdom, maybe help managing time, just ask God for help. Lay it out and then listen and be open to the possibility that that thoughts and promptings and and urgings and, and insights really will come to you, that you really will receive wisdom and it really will be coming from the Spirit because the greatest counselor in the world offers to guide us into wisdom. Second thing, uh, as we walk with him, the greatest counselor in the world offers to give us power for life and ministry. See, throughout the scripture, the spirit is associated with power. In fact, Jesus told his followers, you're going to receive power when the spirit comes upon you. In Ephesians 3, Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power 
through His Spirit in your inner being. At the core of who you are, Paul says, I pray that you would be made powerful, not on your own, but by the Holy Spirit who gives you power. Here's the question I want to ask of you under this category. What are you doing that you could not do apart from the Holy Spirit? There's an old joke about a city slicker who moves to the country. And he goes to a, uh, a hardware store to get a chainsaw to cut some wood to uh, heat his house. And uh, the owner gives him, uh, he says, hey, top of the line model, this is great. You know, you can cut 100 cord of wood a day, you know, no problem. And so the guy takes it home, comes back the next day, he goes, this, this thing's defective, it doesn't work. I worked all day, I only cut two cord of wood. The guy's like, oh, I don't know. I said, well, okay, I'll exchange it for you. The guy takes it, comes back the next day, he goes, I, I worked all day again, I only cut five cord of wood. I don't understand this. And so he looks at it and he pulls the thing and it roars to life. And the guy goes, what was that noise? <laughs> Said it was an old joke. I didn't say it was a good one. <laughs> it was a dad joke. It's from my dad, actually. So, uh, yeah, I'll blame him. Uh, but isn't that the, kind of the way we do life sometimes? We have access to all this power, you know, and it's like, it's like a, we have a motorcycle and we're, we push it everywhere we go. Like, what's that about? I think about all those times, like in my own life, yeah, I'm just not plugged in to the power of the Holy Spirit. I just try to power through on my own. I, I, have, I have access to that one source of power who can give me strength, and, and I, I just cut myself off from the Spirit. I don't think about Him. I don't, I don't ask Him. I don't listen. See, the Holy Spirit is a source of power for Christian life and ministry. In fact, Romans 8 says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead the same Spirit lives in you. The Spirit of God gives us power to do all kinds of things. Power to be obedient. Power to love those who are hard to love. Power to resist and to overcome sin. Power to pursue God-given dreams. To live more like Jesus. To make a difference in our world. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you to greater purpose and meaning. So again, the question, what are you trying to do that you could not do apart from the greatest counselor in the world? What difficult sin are you seeking to overcome? What tough, challenging area are you seeking to grow in? What difficult person are you trying to love? What risky ministry are you willing to take on? What are you trying to do that you couldn't do apart from the Holy Spirit? Or has your life become so oriented around comfort and routine and security that Really, there's no place where you're out on a limb depending on the Spirit. See, here's the promise, and this brings us to the final offer uh, the Holy Spirit can work in us. The, the Holy Spirit offers to help us in our time of weakness. See, weakness is His ideal working environment. That is, areas where you're weak and areas where I'm weak, that's where the Holy Spirit shows up in unmistakable ways. In Romans 8.26, Paul says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For instance, we don't even know how to pray. Pause. <coughs> Paul doesn't say the Spirit helps us in our strength. He says the Spirit helps us in our weakness because we don't even know how to pray. Show of hands on this one real quick. How many of you have ever felt kind of guilty or, or weak about your prayer life? Anybody ever, ever felt like that? Yeah. That's fantastic because that means you are a candidate for the prayer ministry of the Holy Spirit. In our weakness, Paul says, 
doesn't say in our strength, when we know exactly how to pray, the Spirit gives us what we want. He says, it's at that point when we are most weak and we're tempted to give in to the if-onlys. You know, if only I loved God more, or if only I prayed more, if only my faith were stronger. It's, it's when we're most weak that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And what's even more remarkable, look at the rest of the verse 26. He says we don't even know how we ought to, what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans or groans that words cannot express. Imagine that. The third person of the Trinity, God Himself, just groans with us. He intercedes. It's kind of one of those, ah, oh, the word in Greek is, is one of those like soul cry. You guys have those? Like where you've done something and you're just like, ah. Oh. Oh, I can't believe it. It's just like that groan, you know? Like you say something, you just, as soon as it comes out, wish I could take it back. The Holy Spirit groans with us. It's as if the Holy Spirit throws His arms around you and says, I'm going to share your deepest hurts and frustrations. You're, You're not alone. You're not alone. If you'll just let me, we'll do it together. He's the greatest counselor in the world. And so this morning, are you willing to say to the Holy Spirit, yeah, I really do want to be in a counseling relationship with you. Tell him you want him to be your, your permanent resident guide, your source of power in this life. Will you ask the Holy Spirit to become your lifelong counselor? Just pray every day this week. Pray, Holy Spirit, guide me. Just give me direction. And he's going to be speaking to you. He's going to be like whispering and nudging you. And so just like make sure you're paying attention. And just throughout your day, make that your prayer. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And then you listen and you be open to the thoughts and the promptings and the insights that really will come to you. You really will receive wisdom and it really will be coming from the Spirit because that's what the greatest counselor in the world wants to do for us. And then just pray, Holy Spirit, empower me. He's given you the same Spirit of God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. So figure out where He's gifted you and where He's calling you to to serve and use those gifts to make a difference in the world. And then just walk in the Spirit. That's what all this means. That's how we walk in the Spirit. And as we do that, you will begin to see the Holy Spirit bear fruit in your life. Would you stand with me now for closing prayer? Our dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the power of God through the Holy Spirit in our lives. And Lord, we don't understand it. Sometimes it's kind of confusing and, and sort, of, sort of weird. And, and we, we don't always get that. But your, your word tells us that's, that's how it works, that, that you just take up residence within us and we have access to that power, access to that wisdom. Lord, just help us. Help us in our time of weakness as you promised to do. Lord, give us power, give us guidance. Help us to rely on you. We thank you, we love you. And now we just ask, give us that wisdom now to know what to do with what we've heard. And then give us the power and the courage to do it. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.